Welcome to the Earth School Podcast, where we explore how to let go of victimhood so we can start enjoying this fascinating curriculum of being spiritual beings, having a human experience here in Earth School. Okay, hello. Hi. So here we are. I'm here with my dear friend, Chris, and this is our willingness to explore this idea of a podcast, mm-hmm. and we are both in kind of a, I feel contemplative. Does that feel like a resonant word for you? Yeah, good one. Yeah, like contemplative space. Ah, We're just opening up to this and experiencing it and we've talked about how we don't really need to perform as you were just taking a moment I had the thought about um uh Eckhart Tolle you know mm-hmm. who he is mm-hmm. and yeah. how he's like very boring in a way <laughs> he's not entertaining right that's fair mm-hmm. as like really profound things but he says them in like a really slow like kind of monotonous like not performy way mm-hmm. and like his clothes are very simple and like he's just kind of quiet so I feel like also I I have watched a ton of Thich Nhat Hanh stuff and mm-hmm. I spent a week at one of his monasteries and all of the um, like Dharma talks were by monks who were like, and nuns who were like super not performing, like sort of boring, mm-hmm. but like very valuable. And they were not rushing and they were not mm-hmm. trying to be like phenomenal. And it was so refreshing because it was like, actually I don't need all of the jazz necessarily (laughs) like Mm -hmm. it's sort of comforting to just slowly think about deep concepts and I feel like that might be a good vibe for this podcast um I think so I also I can feel in my body that it's gonna bump up against my need to perform because I am like if I know something's going to be public and even sometimes when I'm talking to people, Mm -hmm. it's like I automatically turn on Mm -hmm. and then it turns into this production. (laughs) (laughs) And so I can feel that energy. That's kind Mm -hmm. of like, this is going to be public. You got to like, you know, Mm -hmm. we have an image to maintain. Mm -hmm. So I'm very curious to see how this unfolds for me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, so that's a great starting point. We can watch it, experience it. Um, why don't you introduce yourself um, and tell us a little bit about what, yeah, what your experience of yourself is on this planet. You don't have to tell us like the what do you do kind of things, <laughs> but you can tell us maybe just like what yeah what you feel like being a person called you is like right now for sure um oh it's always such an interesting and big slightly impossible question 
because I don't always know what direction to go in because there's a million things that could define me and that have defined me. Um, but for today and for right now, um, I go by Chris, um, sometimes Chris Marie, whatever I'm, whatever the vibe is, I've changed my name. So I, my full name is Christina and I've gone by iterations of my name and changed it up my entire life. Um, and I was, um, raised in a very, um, confined environment, I would say. There was a very specific way that I was supposed to human, um, you know, religious and, uh, very traditional family values and all of that. Um, and I also have, maybe outside what had, because I'm, I'm loosening up my connection and my attachment to a lot of my identity markers, but there's a lot of things in this world that would classify me as different, um, neurodivergent, minority, female, on and on, the list goes on. Um, I feel like when my soul decided to incarnate in this lifetime, they were like, let's give her all of the spices and, <laughs> and and so that I believe that it um that I wanted this cocktail of every marginalized group you could possibly be a part of in order for me to wake up and be like none of it matters you can identify wherever you want and you can come up with all of the ways that that group you know, needs to be respected more and needs to be seen in a better light. At the end of the day, it, for me, it came down to how can I see myself in a better light? How can I treat myself in a better way, despite X, Y, and Z, because I have just too many of them and I can't keep up. I love that. <laughs> the, the, the leading narrative for each one. So, um, yeah, so I've been a seeker my whole life. I've been someone who has been seeking freedom, mostly freedom and this elusive concept of unconditional love. Yeah, those have been my, yeah, yeah, those are my two things. So yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm so um, you just like totally did a beautiful job of getting us right into the heart of like why I want to have these conversations which is around this thing of like being a human and then having a perspective where you're like, oh, like you just said, like I incarnated in to experience these limitations or these conditions. So can you talk a little bit about, and I'm like, I gave you questions and then I feel like I'm probably not going to ask you the questions. Okay. It's all good. <laughs> um, so you you now have this perspective that you like have some sort of a spiritual purpose around having these limitations of like, mm -hmm. oh, I'm neurodivergent or, or I'm A, B, or C. Can you talk about like, what was it if there was a point at your life or if there was like a, 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 a like story arc that sort of got you from like, uh, I'm oppressed and like, uh, I'm the wrong thing to, oh, I think this is helping me understand unconditional love. Like, can you walk us through a little bit of that? For sure. So, um, 
growing up, I would say I was made hyper aware of the fact that I am a Black female and Black mm-hmm. females are oppressed in mm-hmm. America, right? Yeah. And I was given a ton of pro and and even because I was a Baptist Christian and uh-huh. I was also taught in that ideology that Christians are oppressed in America, yeah. which debatable, but <laughs> um, that was the experience. Mm-hmm. That was the experience, right? Mm-hmm. And so I was given this information and then told how I needed to act in mm-hmm. order to survive in you know, a white hetero world, yeah. um, male dominated world. And, and so I operated that way, fully believing that I had to work twice as hard as everyone else yeah. in order to be seen as just as good. I yeah. fully bought into this whole script for the first 25 years of my life. And then um, I discovered within myself I went on a a inner journey after going through this whole process of deconstructing my Christianity where I realized that I was queer Uh and yes yes and in allowing myself to Uh explore my sexuality and Uh to awaken to this other part of my identity that was queer and just expansive and beautiful and didn't really care about the constructs and confines of everything that I had been taught, I realized how, I realized how deeply I had bought into this idea that my existence was a problem. Yeah. And that who I was, was a problem because yeah. the color of my skin, because of bits of my body that look different, because of yeah. ways that I think that are different. And it wasn't until I fully, fully gave in to being queer, immersed myself in that world. And then that fell apart because of the relationship I was in and, you know, the <laughs> very common, very common story of yeah. <laughs> your first queer relationship um, is like blows your world open and then destroys you <laughs> and <sits> over. <laughs> completely annihilation <laughs> oh my god <laughs> so when that relationship ended my the other aspects of my life were already destroyed yeah and so I completely self-destructed and in that self-destruction um I attempted to take my own life and had mystical spiritual experience um where I at that point it wasn't even an I it was a collective we Mm -hmm. that we knew that if we were going to stay on earth we were going to do it differently because Mm -hmm. the rules were changing like the rules of how I was existing on the planet were going to change if that decision was made for me to return to earth. Yeah. I said, yes, let's do it. I, mm-hmm. I can do things different this time. I have a different, mm-hmm. you know, perspective on things. Mm-hmm. And so I uh, re-embodied into mm-hmm. this form. And from that moment on, I was like, well, sure. I have all of these identity markers. But again, like I had said before, there's too, and there's too many of them. Yeah. And 
ultimately they all just give me information about the society and world that I'm living in. Mm -hmm. They give me information about myself and who I express as. Mm -hmm. And information doesn't have to mean that I'm oppressed. Information Mm -hmm. doesn't have to mean that I'm a problem. Information is just that. It's Mm -hmm. information. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if we slow that like way down, like the part right in between, like, okay, I've been taught victimhood. I've mm-hmm. taken it on. I've, you know, followed the program and I've done victimhood and fought all the things and thought I have to try twice as hard, all of that. And then this little pocket where you're like, oh, I'm queer. Mm-hmm. So I personally believe that like queer people are given like a magical portal to liberation Mm -hmm. because it's the only identity where um, your people of origin, like your family and community of origin can be like, no, there's something wrong with you. Like if you're a person of color, like your people are going to be like, yeah, we're in it together. Like we have to fight against the oppression. If you're like, um, uh, you know, if you're assigned female at birth, then like all the assigned female at birth people in your crew are going to be like, yeah, we're in it together. But being queer is the only one where they're like, don't fucking do that to like from right. your own people. Mm-hmm. And so it's like this, it's this magical like um like self-destruct of yeah. the um of the like being good that i feel like is a super awesome like gift because it's like i wouldn't have tried to break free from the system but right. queerness like forced me to and so i feel like i got like a a lucky break with that because I might have kept in the system for way longer or maybe always for sure if I could have pulled it off I would have never left yeah Yeah. so like get into the like like where was that first like brain like oh fuck like (laughs) I just noticed something and it doesn't follow the rules like what was that for you Well, the first time I had the thought, the first time I remember having the thought that I was attracted to women was when I was around 11 or 12 years old. Um, I played basketball all growing up. And in that world, especially when you started to get into high school, a lot of the basketball players were queer or like, <laughs> you know, hiding <laughs> in the closet. I do know. <laughs> Yes, we have and, parallel lives, by the way. Oh, that's so funny. There's so it's many awesome. things that are, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> but I love it. So, um, so yeah, so when I was around 12 years old, there was something in me that shifted. And I don't know if it was something that happened on the court, but there was a situation where I had like grazed someone's backside. And I was like, mm. whoa, if I do that, they're going to think I'm gay. <laughs> but like it's a contact sport and you're like but from that moment on there was just this 
fear in me that I'm like, oh no, I can't be too aggressive. I can't touch them too much because then mm -hmm. people are going to have this perception of me. Mm -hmm. And um, so by the time I got to high school and I was trying out for the high school team, my cousin was the high school basketball coach. So okay. I was like, I could have made the team easily, mm -hmm. but after the second, I made it past the first um, round of tryouts and the second one, I was like, I can't do this. I can't do this pressure. I can't, mm -hmm. I don't want to go through this whole mental thing. Mm -hmm. um, so I flubbed it and I was like, I'm just going to focus on academics. I'm going to give up basketball. <laughs> and, and you feel like it was because it, was it exposed you too closely to your sexuality? way too close for comfort wow that but is i didn't so know that fascinating yeah i didn't know that at the time at the yeah. time i was just like oh i don't want to really play but looking back i'm like, like i was oh terrified yeah because <laughs> i was like a women's basketball women. is like the gayest thing the in gayest the world. thing in the world <laughs> oh my god that's amazing totally. Totally. So yeah. you were like this makes it too real too close i gotta i can't i can't just have it in my face and like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. off, like yeah so yep. relate okay okay <laughs> so you do you're like never mind and you cancel the basketball cancel basketball okay. at 14 I'm like I'm not can't go down that road yeah so that shut off that part of my yeah. questioning until I was like 24 25 uh -huh. um lock it down yep just shut it away yeah. we're never thinking about that again yeah yeah but <laughs> the issue it's a beautiful it, I don't know if I can get into the whole story, but it's a long story short. Um, I, you know, went through this, I would call it like a sexual revolution period because I wasn't allowed to date as a kid. I was yeah. very sheltered or whatever. So when I got into college, I just kind of went buck wild mm -hmm. and, you know, was doing all of the things with all of the boys that I can get attention, mm -hmm. not really recognizing that a lot of it was, um, like I wasn't connected to what I was doing. I was doing it because I thought that, that was what you were supposed to do yeah, to yeah, get yeah. the boyfriend, to get the husband, to fulfill this whole yeah. American dream thing. Um, but in that, you know, I got myself in a lot of situations that weren't um, great. And I decided that I was just um, a a sinner who needed more salvation so uh, that's what I was going to ask like what was happening with the whole Christianity yeah. thing in that moment so you mm -hmm. were like oh this means I need more Jesus yes okay. yes because okay. after high school I wasn't really that involved in Christianity okay um, my family wasn't like super churchy. We yeah. went to church, but we had our own spiritual practice with Christianity. So in high school, I let it go. College, there was barely any Christian anything. Oh. And then um, once I got into the professional world, I was like, mm -hmm. I need more structure in my personal life because I was living two different lives. Yeah, I was yeah, yeah. like a party girl, you know, at night and then like working in corporate America during the day. Um. So I went back to the church and uh -huh. just gave myself to Jesus, gave uh -huh. over completely. Um, and I was like, this is the way that I'm going to fulfill this. Because my whole I idea was like, I just want to find someone who will marry me so I can have kids, have a, I just wanted to live that life. Do the thing. Can the I, thing. can I Go ask a little clarification? Yeah. So, okay. Both like in the basketball, you went like kind of rigid, like school. You said academics mm -hmm. was going to be like your deal. And then in the college one, you kind of went like, you were like, oh, too much freedom. And you went back like 
rigid yeah. Christianity. Yeah. It, does that feel like you said at the beginning, like one of your biggest desires is freedom and like understanding what that means. Does it feel like you're like coping for the like maybe overwhelm or taste mm-hmm. or like exploration of freedom is to like go back like less freedom? Did not put that together, but that is a very interesting observation because yeah, it was too much freedom, too much choice for me in college. It, it was like the whole buffet was open and I could do mm-hmm. what I wanted. And I was like, this is way too much. It, it is that overwhelm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think you're right. Um, and so um, Christianity definitely put very strong guardrails <laughs> on yeah. what I was allowed to do in life. Yeah. Yeah. And were you admitting to yourself in the like, whoa, all this stuff is too wild. Like I need some like structure. I'm going to go back to Jesus. Were you able to like, were you having any thoughts like, oh, also, I don't think I'm really into these guys in the way that I'm being told I should be or like there's some queerness here or was that not on the surface? Mm-hmm. It wasn't really on the surface. I didn't know what it was supposed to feel like, mm-hmm. you know, so I didn't have anything to compare it to. Um, like later down the road, once I started um, dating women, that was when like, I was like, oh, this is what, this is what this <laughs> is. <laughs> now I know what I'm supposed to be feeling. <laughs> it's like it's like when people are like how do you know and you're like "Mm, wow (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) but yeah when I was in college it was more of like going through the motions and Mm -hmm. I just I had um an early experience with sexual abuse um in my early college years Mm-hmm. And so from that moment on, I um, disassociated every time I would get into any kind of sexual situation. Um, and so I wasn't really even my body mm-hmm. during those times. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a whole other, <laughs> that's a whole mm-hmm. other rabbit hole of healing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so with the, the liberation piece, though, and opening back up to my sexuality, or opening up to my sexuality, it didn't come until the rules of Christianity, be- like that belt became too tight for me. Mm-hmm. And I started questioning the authority of my pastors and uh-huh. <laughs> questioning the authority of the Bible. Yeah. And um, I decided, I was like, well, if the only credentials that these pastors, these male white cis pastors have Mm -hmm. is that they went to Bible college and Mm -hmm. have these degrees that give them the authority, then I can do that too, because I'm an academic and I had been an academic my whole life. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, sign me up. I got Uh into seminary. Uh-huh. <laughs> I got into seminary with a focus on exegesis, which is just interpreting the Bible to its nth degree, mm-hmm. essentially understanding where it all derives from. I learned about the Council of Nicaea, and that mm-hmm. just popped my world open. I was like, oh, so y'all just really just out here believing whatever you want. Uh-huh. They just made it up. <laughs> making up, mm-hmm. making up whatever mm-hmm. interpretation. And I was like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, that started the crumbling yeah. for me. Yeah. And you were at um, Biola, right? Mm-hmm, Biola. I'm surprised that they exposed you to the depth of the Nicene thing. 
Well, they didn't. They told us about it. And then I, you know, you in my brain, further. I was like, wait, this doesn't sound right. You're telling me this Constantine just could yeah. decide. Yeah. And so I deep dove into that myself. And did you talk to any of your professors about it? Not my professors. I think I brought it up to a pastor of mine and he just shut it down. Shut it and, down. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, this is, this something is not, it's not enough for me. Yeah. So this was um like a year into your program or? Yeah, about a year into my program. Um, and then also with Biola, they have you do, as soon as you get into the program, they have you do this like extensive personality assessment. Yeah. And they were like, you need therapy, <laughs> like immediately. Wow. Um, and I had been in therapy since I was 18, um, but I had stopped once I got back into the church. So I was like, oh, mm-hmm. the church will fix me. Jesus, got and it. Yeah, Jesus is he's he's got it. But Viola was like, Jesus doesn't got it. <laughs> I'm surprised actually that they did that. That's kind of yeah. interesting to hear. Mm-hmm. They put you with a Christian therapist though. Yeah, with one of their counselors. And uh-huh. she actually is the one who helped me come out. Um, no fucking way. Right. And so what was after, that like? It was a journey though, because at that time. Like I said, I was working in corporate America, but my soul was being sucked from that world. And I ended up in, this is long, I'm not going to get into it, but I had an experience with Jesus where he gave me this job in entertainment. Hmm. So I was working for um, an entertainment company that has been bought out by another entertainment company at this point. Mm-hmm. And um, I, it was the first time that I was in close proximity and actually became friends with queer people. Uh-huh. And um, in becoming friends with my coworker, who was just the most effervescent and eccentric, uh-huh. he was just everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and he, we were at a very, very conservative, um, entertainment company okay. and they didn't have, cause you know how, uh, corporations will have like affinity groups where that's like okay. black employees or queer yeah. employees, pride groups, whatever this, um, the studio didn't have any like pride group at all. Okay. But they had all of the other affinity groups. And so his mission was like, okay, we're going to start a pride group. Mm -hmm. at this huge entertainment studio and I was like I was like wrestling in myself because I was like a Jesus person I was like Jesus gave me this job to bring Christ into entertainment Mm -hmm. what are we doing what why am I involved in bringing you know a pride group when I am Christian I didn't even I wasn't questioning my sexuality at that point had you told him anything or mm -mm, I hadn't told him anything I was just his friend wow friends with him (laughs) and he like latched on to me and like we worked really really well together oh for sure (laughs) for sure (laughs) friend we'll just pretend that you're here as an ally (laughs) exactly it was exactly what happened So I'm in this process. So then it was in being friends with him, questioning the authority of the church of the Bible, because I was like really deep diving and trying to figure out why is it wrong to be queer? Like, why is it wrong to be gay? Okay, so once you started questioning the Bible stuff, that came up to the surface again? Oh, Or was it through the counselor or... 
it it was mostly through my friendship um, uh-huh. with my coworker that had me really questioning the Bible. And then the Were counselor you doing came... it like for him at first. Um, it was. I don't know if it was. For, it was for me to reconcile. Like, how can I be okay with? helping him with this pride group right because I was just like I want to help you I need to make sure it's morally aligned for me Mm -hmm. so I need to figure out how it can be aligned okay and um and and yeah so (laughs) geez I haven't thought about this story in a long time that's so awesome so um so yeah, I'm, I'm going through all of this just internal questioning, reading every possible book you can possibly find on um, Christianity and sexuality. You know, you go down all of those, right? There's so many different beautiful yeah. authors who have um, yeah. explored this area. And I came to the conclusion myself, I was like, this isn't a problem. Like, this is something that's been manufactured. Yeah. Do you <laughs> For- remember, was there like a critical, like, piece of information or was it sort of cumulative it was cumulative it was cumulative because what I did is I listened to so many sermons I probably listened to hundreds of sermons Mm -hmm. from different pastors Mm -hmm. um, read dozens and dozens of books and it was in having accumulated all this knowledge that I realized that people are interpreting the Bible as it suits them. Yeah. And when I realized that people are interpreting the Bible as it suits them, I was like, there's no one true interpretation. There's no there one go. real right interpretation. And it was that conclusion that led me it to kind of like, broke all the things. Yeah. 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 And do you feel like that relationship with that guy at work was like a critical thing because for me the first like non-believer that I met and loved mm-hmm. I was like clearly you're fantastic <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> and I had I had been you know I had always been saying like it doesn't like it doesn't make sense to me that like God would only love some of us like mm-hmm. I don't really understand why God would be like okay the people born here you're good to go but the people born here like you're doomed to hell forever like I would always question that but I had never been allowed interaction with any of those people so I couldn't like really say you mm-hmm. know but when I was like 20 or something I met my first non-believer and she was so cool and like so loving <laughs> yeah like she was so great and she was having sex all the time and drinking all the time and doing drugs and she was the nicest person to me that ever I had had (laughs) in my life and I was like yeah it like broke something in me Mm -hmm. because I couldn't so like do you feel like that guy like being a queer person had some sort of a Yeah, it was interesting with him. He was very Catholic. And so I was also trying to, I had asked him several times, like, how do you reconcile? Are you doing this? Yeah. 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 How are you holding both of these things that are Uh supposed to be opposites? Right. And so that was another piece of it for me was like, how I'm trying to understand. Yeah. And seeing him allow that Mm -hmm. um, duality. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. So you started figuring out like, can I support you for your thing? And then 
you were talking to this therapist and you were questioning sort of all of the like right wrong of Christianity and Mm -hmm. then and then you came out to your therapist at school like did she have to kick you out of school like no no she was she's probably one of the most important therapists I've had several therapists over the year but she's probably one of the most important ones for me because she held space for me in the way I think and I don't like the word should, but I think the way the Christians should, if you are going to believe in the Bible yeah. and believe in the message of Jesus, she was Jesus for me and how yeah. she handled it. She aligned with that, those teachings. With the principles. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And so what happened wow. is um, my coworker, my friend and I, we ended up starting this Fox, uh, I just kind of gave away, we ended up um starting this pride <laughs> group yeah <laughs> um, what? Hey, i don't know i don't, I don't know what, what? Uh. Um, we ended up starting this pride group at the studio and there was a moment when we had put out our table we had our our shirts on we had all of this information out and this angel of a human being walks up to the table and she you know had the most piercing eyes on the planet looks directly into my soul and she's like what is this and I just like my body froze I felt like I was electrocuted I was just like (laughs) (laughs) I was like oh my god I think I'm gay (laughs) yeah you're like oh shit oh no this is what they oh warned gosh. me about <laughs> I lo- isn't it like being struck by lightning it was struck by lightning yeah absolutely it, that's exactly how I would describe it myself mm-hmm. it's like instantaneous yep. and your entire universe changes shifts in one moment yeah and I will never forget it yep. yeah yeah oh and gosh. so after barely being able to speak to her yep <laughs> Um, like, I don't know how it happened, but I had gathered the courage to like ask her to have lunch with me on the lot one day. And I remember the whole time we were talking, my literal body was just uncontrollably shaking. And I was like, I can't, what, what is happening? So I ended up, um, yeah, I ended up. Because there had pe- been people in my past who had come out as a lesbian um, previously, and I had kind of been friends, but I was there's a distance because of the whole Jesus thing, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, but I was in the process of trying to question it, so I called him up and I was like, "Hey, can we meet? Because I have questions." Yeah. And so wow. I, I I met with every queer friend that I knew. I was like, "How yeah. did you know?" how did you know and got all their stories and then I started talking to my therapist about it and she was just she was so great she was just like this is your basically this is your human experience I am here to support you in whatever way at that point I had already dropped out of school because I was okay I was was wondering yeah yeah it was too much to try so you were still able to see her even though Mm -hmm. you weren't a student anymore yeah I just had to pay for it now okay um, okay outside Um, and I don't know if that's usually how they operate, but maybe I was a special case for her. Because you were like a previous student or something. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, it it was this long road and, um. And so in that, in that, like, okay, this is maybe who I am. Like, this is, 
I'm gonna like consider this were you Mm -hmm. talking to her and other people also about that like how do I put Christianity together with this were you still wanting that or were you simultaneously like I think I don't need Christianity to go with it I I desperately wanted Christianity to come along like uh-huh. I and I think it's part of the reason I stayed with the Biola therapist is because I uh-huh. was like, I still want to reconcile these two yeah. things I was still um very much engaged in my church okay um, but it wasn't there was a lot of things happening simultaneously at the same time because after I had started working in entertainment, my church started like imploding because the pastors couldn't get along for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And so once my church fell apart, um, and I was kind of like floating looking for a new church home, mm-hmm. I was also, you know, opening up and questioning sexuality. And so I looked for a church that I knew would accept mm-hmm. um, me as a queer mm-hmm. person or as a mm-hmm. questioning person. I mm-hmm. was questioning for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, but once I fully accepted, and at the time I, you know, just went all the way, I was like, I am a lesbian. Uh-huh. <laughs> like we're just, uh-huh. yeah. If we're going to come out, we got to be confident and sure yeah. about it. And, yeah. you know, that whole thing. Yeah. Um, and sorry, I forgot the question or why I was going with that. Well, we were talking about how the, were you still trying to connect oh, and maintain your relationship with Christianity while you were accepting your sexuality or were you just like letting Christianity go? Yeah. Um. So like I said, I did, I really wanted to remain a Christian, remain in the church but the sticking point for me was my family mm-hmm. um, because my family was very uh, traditional and dogmatic. Mm-hmm. And I felt like a lot of the research I was doing was to prove to them that yeah. what I was, my conclusions that I was coming to. That it were, was okay. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, but the way that they used the Bible against me and the way that they, it, it, it was really ugly. That's the nicest way I can possibly say it is. It got very, very ugly. And then it started like reflecting back to me in my experiences in church or in um, with other Christians where I would just start feeling this like judgment. And I was like, I don't think I can stay. It was like an association maybe mm-hmm. because of the experience with your family. So yeah. I'm curious about like your your description of the like the family stuff. Stop. Hold on. I'm sorry. Um, clearly, this is like a, a personal mm. uh, resonance because this is part of my like journey of understanding and releasing victimhood around like the ways in which family of origin and like Christianity and um the like you are not okay as a queer person, like how all those components came together in my own personal life. So that's why Mm -hmm. I'm asking this question. Um, So, you know, like you used the word ugly, but like when you look at it now, like are you starting to see aspects of which like that was kind of like a perfect 
or like helpful um like I don't even know what to call it like I think about like if someone's driving you and say to the airport and you're like late and they like take a turn where you don't think they should take a turn and you're like why are you doing that like you're gonna make me more late like just go the the way that you should go and like a you know a year later you find out that like on that street if you had gone that way like you would have got hit by a car or something you know Mm -hmm. and like there was like an explosion or something and like it was actually like perfect that they Mm -hmm. took that detour that didn't make sense at the time like is there anything that you can connect in with that's why I want to like get into the like slow the film strip down and let's like zone in on like each slide because I I think it's easier to start to notice like oh my gosh like that actually was what needed to happen for the like next piece Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. even though that part looks like it's like the bad part of the movie and this part looks like it's like the good part of the movie like somehow so yeah what are your like what comes up when you think about that completely well like I had mentioned earlier my upbringing was very controlled very sheltered I was complete like anybody who knew me back then it was obvious that I was codependently attached to my parents Mm -hmm. and their opinion of me was everything like I didn't even Mm -hmm. have an opinion of myself my opinion Mm -hmm. of me was their opinion of me Mm -hmm. and so I 100% needed to detach from Mm. them and this is the only way looking back this is the only way that I could have done that there's like if there's any opening you would have stayed enmeshed yeah 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 there was there's no there would need it to be a clean break yeah in that relationship no options Mm -mm. yeah um in order for me to break free and self-identify honestly Yeah. yeah So while, yes, it was the most Mm. devastating, heartbreaking period of my life, it was absolutely necessary for Mm -hmm. me to be able to free myself Mm -hmm. from, um, from the world that they had built for me. And I'm not saying the world that they had built for me was wrong or bad. Like, you know, they gave me the whole idea of like, you know, family, marriage, kids, house, that whole thing. That's what they advocated and and set me up for. And they set me up beautifully. Like I have a career because of the the world that they set me up in. Mm -hmm. And I have a work ethic and values and and just a way that I treat people. It's based on how they raised me. So Mm -hmm. they set me up in a really amazing way. Um, And at the same time, it wasn't me like mm-hmm. I wasn't allowed to just be who I am mm-hmm. so it it was um in coming out as queer that they were like that's a step too far we can't mm-hmm. support we can't go down this yeah. journey with you yeah and it was ugly because I was devastated I was like you know you're supposed to love me unconditionally right yeah and they, but they like couldn't. that is like such a clear like condition Mm -hmm. there was a condition and it was not met 
Right. And I feel like that seems to be one of the like hallmarks of being a human. Like whatever it is that we're doing, it's like about experiencing conditions. Mm. And the conditions seem to be one of the like primary tools for learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Because you need something to like push up against. To push up against. Yeah. In order to expand outside of whatever that condition is. Yeah. Like yeah. you you talked at the beginning about like the other thing that you really want is unconditional love. And I feel like freedom and unconditional love like share the same frequency mm-hmm. in that there's nothing to push up against. Yeah. There's yeah. no, there's no like container in freedom. Mm-hmm. Freedom is it moves in every direction, right? It's right. not contained. And unconditional love is like, there's no limits on it. There's no container. And like, I'm so curious about this fascinating uh, philosophy of this as a school of earth Mm -hmm. school that we would be without a container we would be Mm -hmm. in freedom and unconditional love and then we'd like I don't know what it is but like maybe we're trying to um prove it Mm -hmm. by saying but if there were conditions would I still choose love because love only feels real when it's unconditional but it, you can't know that love is con- unconditional unless there's a condition. Correct. Right. Yep. So if you're like in omnipotence and uh, omniscience and um, omnipresence, you're like, oh, yeah, I unconditionally love you. And then you say back to yourself, like, how would I know that you actually do because there are no conditions here. So, you know, Mm -hmm. everything. So of course you love me. That doesn't feel real special. Mm -hmm. I say to my kid, like, I love you so much. And my kid's like, yeah, you're my mom. Like Mm -hmm. that's not, that doesn't feel as valuable. Right. As if like a stranger off the street is like, I will love you and do anything for you. That feels more valuable because it's not a given Mm -hmm. and I'm curious about like do we you know up in our omniscience and our omnipotence and omnipresence and all the stuff are we like well I just I want to know like and I want to test every thing because unless I test every um you know every little like hair turn of a different thing, then I can't know for sure that it's unconditional because maybe there's a condition where it's finally going to break and we're Mm going to be like, nope, actually I cannot love you Yeah, in that condition. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those ideas that I have thought about since I was a child 
I always, as a child, even had this idea that I have been hiding inside of myself and that Mm -hmm. one day, one day I'm going to be able to come out and say, this is me, you guys. This is what's actually, this is who I actually am. And I have played your game for so many years, but I was just playing. Yeah. And so with that, I think that is the idea that has been carrying me forward because I'm like, well, I know that there's more inside of me that I just Mm -hmm. hide because Mm -hmm. I have to for my safety, for my protection. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But that idea of, and it was also in my NDE experience where every attachment to anything fell away and Mm -hmm. I saw the whole earth school experience for what it was mm-hmm. and that it it wasn't real it was just a uh, something that we opted into in order to have an experience to elevate our souls or however we want to classify it um so that was your nde like um message was that it was a an earth school it it was that it it was a place to have experiences uh-huh. And so it could be a school, it could be a hell, it could, it could be whatever you wanted it to be. Uh-huh. Like it, for me, earth is a place where you can go and literally have whatever experience you want uh-huh. within limitations. And you just kind of move around the, the game that way or the life that way. And was there like a, a purpose of evolution attached to that or not? Not necessarily the purpose being evolution. The purpose for me is always experience. So it's the, it's existing on earth is the point of being on earth. Uh-huh. And it, and it's kind of like, how long can you exist there? But you don't necessarily have to do anything or be anyone. It's mm-hmm. just how long it part, part of my mind wonders if, you know, what uh whoever we are outside of our earth bodies they're just like well how long did you last on earth i was there for 50 years i was there for 20 minutes i was there Mm -hmm. for you know five years and then what was that experience like and so that's that's how i perceive and think about people being on earth Mm -hmm. it's like you're here for a temporal period of time you want to be here as long as you possibly can I don't believe anyone's here outside of their desire to be here mm-hmm. and um, and you're not required to be here. Like you can leave whenever you want. Um, and so I believe that I had this idea of freedom and unconditional love. And I was like, I believe these things can exist on earth. And I believe Mm -hmm. a human can embody these qualities Mm -hmm. and survive on earth. And so I feel like I've been testing that, that theory. Okay. So you feel like that's maybe what experience you wanted. You Mm -hmm. wanted to do the like, is, is unconditional love real thing? Yeah. Is it possible to embody that on earth? Uh Yeah. Yeah. And so for like, this is the question that you originally said you were interested by, I think I'm not checking, but um, the like in the, the way I wrote the question is like, if it all is a sham and we just like turn into dust and nothing matters, would Mm -hmm. you still connect with these spiritual concepts? But I actually want to reframe it to like, if your NDE is correct and it is just about existing for whatever period of time you exist and there's no like purpose or need to grow 
spiritually or connect in with unconditional love or evolve in some sort of a spiritual framework like Mm -hmm. if that's what is happening like why do you connect with personal growth or spirituality because it's fun for me Uh uh-huh I mean truly it's the thing that brings me joy it was Mm -hmm. one of the questions I asked myself in that next moment after I realized I was back I was like I am only going to do things on this planet that bring me joy. Mm -hmm. And one thing that has always brought me joy is understanding myself better Mm -hmm. and developing and expanding my awareness and consciousness. So I do it because it's fun. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I love that because something that I talk and think about a lot is like, I like this thing. I like the like personal development, like Mm -hmm. read about spiritual traditions. Like I love studying religions and like faith traditions and, you know, everything that has to do with anything existential. I think it's so fascinating. It's all I want to talk about. It's all I want to read about. It's what I want to spend all my time doing. I will not buy myself a nice meal, but I will buy a a spiritual program, right? Like it is the only thing (laughs) I will do for myself. It's the only thing, like if you leave me in a room for five days, I'm going to be doing like a meditation retreat or like a shamanism (laughs) experience, you know, like that is just like, I love it. And I think it's so fun. And Mm -hmm. there's an element to which like in that, like, you know, just like if somebody's like, I love paddleboarding, they want to tell everybody about it. Yeah. Like, I want to tell everybody about it and be like, you could be so like at peace in any circumstance. And you could just like find joy in like devastating experiences. And it's so fun. And I want to share it. Mm -hmm. And, And there's the part of me that's like, okay, actually everybody can do what they want to do. And if they want to just like be miserable, then like I am really supportive of that because I have no idea what is better or worse. I don't think there is a better or worse. I don't like have any issue with that. And I like, really, that's a growth area that I want to pursue is the like, you can be like totally depressed and miserable and I will support you kind of thing. Not like that like the wording I get what you're saying yeah yeah yeah. um and it pushes up against the part of me that had so much evangelism training and had Mm. so much like white saviorism Mm -hmm. and like it really rubs that you know Mm -hmm. and I'm like I don't want to tell anyone (laughs) about anything you know like I I do not know what the way is there is no way after decades of being like the way that you live the life yeah yeah there's like such a part of me that's like I don't want to tell anyone and I am never gonna tell anyone how to live so like I'm curious if you have any of that and how you like support those like pressures or different Mm. god saviorism I mean, I think anybody who's been on a spiritual journey, you have the period of your life where you think you're Jesus and you're just Mm -hmm. like, I am here to save the world. I definitely went through that early awakening 2019 after my, uh, after I woke up from the NDE, I literally 
um, well, what had happened is I was engaged and the engagement fell apart. And so I had saved up all of this money, thousands and thousands of dollars for the wedding. And I was like, well, if I'm not getting married, I'm going to use all of those thousands and thousands of dollars in self-development. And so I you know, went across the world looking for things. I went to every retreat, everything that sparked my interest. I spent thousands of dollars. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 Um, And, you know, in that process, you just, you come across a million different ideas. I, you know, thought I was Jesus incarnate for a while. And then I thought I was the devil incarnate for a while. And you just kind of fluctuate and all of that. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, you're you're everything, right? (laughs) And um, As we established last time, Jesus and the devil are the same. The same thing. Yeah. In my my understanding of things based on my. I'm going to bring that to every like public thing we try to do just so that you. Please do. Confront it. Mm-hmm. yeah because it, it needs to be because it's like <laughs> it's like a core belief of mine I don't think they're separate beings <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> but um back to back to your question of like this whole savior idea and the evangelism idea yeah. it's so hard to escape it because yeah. especially early awakening for me I was just like everyone who was still talking to me in my life I was prescribing them like okay you yeah. need this and you need this and I'm gonna help you and save you and this it it was exhausting and nauseating and people were just like okay like stop please stop yeah please stop um so I went really internal and then I isolated for years yeah. and I just barely talked to anyone because I'm like well okay this is my journey yeah I don't want to be an evangelical I don't want yeah. to prescribe my yeah my life onto other people yeah and I'm now in this process of you know it's one of the reasons I created my podcast because I was like well I only want to talk to people who want to talk to me about these specific Um, things so I'll create a container to where I can nerd out about these things yeah and then other people in my life if they ask me then I'll be like yeah yeah share but it it um I don't know were you ever you're into the human design thing where um I don't I'm know a, a project- lot about it. I, w- I went down the rabbit hole pretty heavily. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm a projector. And okay. so being a projector, our whole thing is like giving people advice and helping them, but we need to be invited. And so uh-huh. once I got that piece of information, it felt like it unlocked it in my uh-huh. brain where I was like, this is why I'm obsessive about this development yeah. stuff. And I just need people to ask me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I want it to be like, I want to be like willing to share. I want to be like Mm -hmm. really like open handed. I want to be like very generous Mm -hmm. because the people who gave me the information like really made it. So I wanted like I was willing to be on the planet. Like I wanted them to give me that information. And so there's an element to which like, I don't want to like hoard it and not share it, but I also don't want to like shove it down people's faces. Like I want to be like, this is something that I have. Would you like some, like you're welcome, like generous, but not. And I, I just, I like always want, I feel like maybe it's because of the evangelical experience, but I feel like I always want to be saying the caveat, like, but I have no idea what I'm talking about. And like, please take what you like and leave the rest. Like, I'm like, Mm -hmm. just like saying that before every sentence, because I, maybe I feel a little scared still 
that I'm going to fall into that role of like saying I know that mm-hmm. something is the way and I I just know that's yeah. not true yeah it's the language for me around it that I really had to work on and to a point where I, I'm, I think I'm a, a lot better I, not even think, I know I'm a lot better than I was in um saying well this is just my opinion this is just my experience Uh this is you know so when I am telling someone about something that has helped me making sure Mm -hmm. I say that you know take a resonance leave the rest like Mm -hmm. I am nobody's authority I Mm -hmm. don't want people following me I'm I'm no Christ right yeah I'm a human being having a human experience just like you I've stumbled across things that have helped me Mm -hmm. and if it's helpful for you here you go but yeah no pressure. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Amazing. This has been so phenomenal. I feel like let's just both like scan these questions and see if there's anything else that you're like, Ooh, I really want to talk about that. And then, and then maybe we kind (sighs) of know that, um, Chris has agreed to be a, um, how did we phrase it? Like a recurring guest. Absolutely. So we so do not we do not need to cover everything. Um yeah, is there anything that um the last piece, you know, I was talking to a friend yesterday and I heard myself tell her if there is one thing that you remember about me on this planet and the message that I would implore everyone to um, engage with is get it the importance of getting into a relationship with yourself mm. and getting into a healthy relationship with yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I what think does that, that mean healthy to you? Healthy for me means a space where you are free to be yourself inside of yourself, where you are free to unconditionally love yourself. Mm-hmm. Whether you are the devil incarnate or Jesus incarnate, mm-hmm. anywhere in between, you can and and are willing to love yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a, a actually a beautiful way for me to kind of wrap up this whole discussion of my journey mm-hmm. of engaging with the idea of freedom, engaging with the idea of unconditional love. Once I realize that those concepts exist within me, those ideas exist within me, and they are options for me to express from, mm-hmm. that is when things shifted. And I was like, there's nothing left to evangelize. Yeah. There's nothing left for me to prove. There's no one left for me to be. Because you can just now- have it inside of you. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's so beautiful. I feel like we need to do a whole episode on the like loving yourself thing because oh, really? I, uh, for me, a huge, huge, huge part of the victimhood was the self-hatred. And so yes. many people are like, but how would I ever love myself? Like all I can come up with is self-hatred. All I can mm-hmm. come up with is like criticism and shame and blame of myself. And I feel like that is so intertwined with victimhood that there's like an element to which that's why I wanted to go through, not focus on the, like, how are you right now? But the, like, how did you get here? Because I think when people hear 
other people talk about like, well, it's an earth school and like, you're just learning and like, it's just whatever. And you just exist. And they're still in a place of victimhood. It feels so impossible. Right. It feels like, how would I ever? And I want people to really hear how, you know, this was like a started when you were 12 and you started like emerging at like what? When was your, yeah, 30. Yeah, 29, 30. Yeah. So it was Mm -hmm. like, you know, 12 to 18 years of wrestling Mm -hmm. with these things. And for me, it wasn't until I was 35. And so I really want people to like see that it's not just like an overnight, like it's such a gruesome process. (laughs) Yes, And like noticing those little twists and turns that were like the little bit of like, oh, this direction, this direction, even if it's the like total rejection of your family of origin, like horrible Mm -hmm. relationship breakup, like all these like bad things, quote unquote, like were part of getting you to what you're saying is like your ultimate desire to share is that there's freedom within you even when there's not freedom without you exactly there's freedom within you and there's unconditional love within you even when there's a whole bunch of conditional love outside of you yes Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. bravo I love it it's the journey though it's arduous but it's beautiful Yeah. Yeah. yeah 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 And okay to not see it as beautiful. It's for most of it. I didn't. I didn't think it was beautiful when I was in it. Right. 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 And I hate. Oh, it was a slog. Yeah. 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 To not feel like, to feel like you really make sense if you Mm. are like, no, my life is not that, and my life's just a shit show. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. It's messy. Messy as fuck. So yeah. 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 Uh, well thank you so so much for being so vulnerable and so open and giving us so many of those details I really um in a take what you like leave the rest kind of way um Mm -hmm. I really do feel that like our personal stories um can be incredibly liberating for other people and give people hope so I really appreciate you sharing your story and um is there anywhere that you want people to connect with you if they yeah, absolutely um well thank you so much for you know giving me the space to share like I said I, I haven't talked about these stories in a long time um so it's nice for me to go back and get the little nuggets from it as well um, but yeah, people can, you can find my podcast, Mental Magic, anywhere podcasts are available. We talk more about consciousness exploring there. And um, I'm really into spiral dynamics right now, which is all about how your subconscious is wired. Uh, you could also find me on Instagram. My personal handle is always Chris Marie. Uh, Chris is spelled C-H-R-I-S. And then uh, Mental Magic also has an Instagram Mental Magic podcast with a period in between each word. Okay. Yep. I'll try to figure out how to put all those things in something like people say, but I don't even know how I'm going to get this to the podcasting universe. So we'll see. (laughs) I hope you. I hope you. Okay. Thank you. Thank (laughs) you. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. And we will end this.
oops, not end the meeting. I had a moment of being like, I never started recording, but we did. Thanks so much for joining us for Earth School, sending you all of my love and hoping that each day on this Earth School brings you closer and closer to the joy of knowing that you are always innocent and unconditionally loved.